<clears throat> okay. Terrific. Good evening, everyone. I'd like to call to order. Welcome everyone to the May 22nd, 2023 meeting of the Loudoun Communications Commission. And uh, first item on the agenda is the uh, review and approval of the agenda. So with that, Chair seeks any motion with regard to the agenda? Do we have a quorum agenda? I believe we do have a quorum. Yeah, five. We have five members. Yes, sir. Uh, and the agenda that was circulated via Second. email. Okay, thank you. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Thank you. The agenda is adopted. Next thing on the agenda is the review of the minutes of our last meeting, uh, April 2024. Um, and with that, the chair seeks a motion with regard to the minutes. So moved. Second. All right, all in favor of adopting the minutes? Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Abstention. Okay, thank you very much. The minutes are adopted. Uh, Chris, do we have any members of the public signed up to speak tonight? Yes, sir, we do. I have Mr. Chandler Vaughn from the Broadband Office for DHCB to speak with us tonight. So it would be great if uh, we could just take a moment to go around the room for introductions um, for uh, Chandler, for Mr. Vaughn. I'll start. Chandler, Chris Mullen, uh, Broadband Program Manager. For, uh, Loudon and I'm uh, part of the uh, DIT organization. Hi everyone, I'm Christy Maple. I'm Chief of Staff to Supervisor Tony Buffington in the Blue Ridge District, so I'm glad to be here. I'm John Bills, CIO for Loudon. Hi, I'm Aaron Smith. I'm the representative from Loudon County Public Schools and also the CTO for LCPS. Hi, my name is Mark Foster. I'm the chair of Loudon Communications Commission and also the Blue Ridge District representative. I am Joe Carlin, and I'm the commissioner uh, from the Broadmoor District. I'm Jason Kennedy, and the representative from the Sterling District. And I'm Patrick Ryan, representative from the Catawba District. Chandler, thank you for joining us this evening. Hey, it's good to be with you all, and I appreciate the introductions. Thanks for leading that off, Chris. Um, do we want to do folks online as well, or I can go ahead and get started with remarks? Why don't we just do go all the way around? The sure, way, so. sure. So I'm I'm here representing the state broadband office. Uh, I'm Chandler Vaughn. I work as a senior policy analyst in that office. We're a team of 13 folks: uh, director, two policy analysts, four project managers, a person leading them, a couple of GIS specialists, and a financial person. Uh, I, I say that because you know, as a team, we manage around 935 million dollars, just over that, in state and federal funds to broadband deployment projects across the Commonwealth. And I'll, I'll say too, that to make this uh, catered to Loudoun County, I was looking up our, our records earlier in our grants management software. Loudoun County has, has the most locations of any county uh, in a body project area. So uh, I think something that you all can hang your hat on in getting 8,600 locations broadband access extended to them over the next few years. So um, just wanted to share that as a, as a bit of an interesting fact that makes you all unique in this effort. You guys are, are uh, ahead, barely ahead, but still ahead of Pulaski County who takes second uh, in that category. So Chris and, and Dave asked me to come and provide brief remarks about our program, what we do as an office and you know what's on the next horizon for us. And I think I'll share too and, and preview that a point of interest for folks is that we've been historically focused on broadband deployment, mostly in rural areas, but now as an office under the Infrastructure Act, we're able to think through what broadband affordability and adoption programs look like uh, in our urban communities, but also in rural communities as well. So I'll, I'll get to that eventually. Um, but like I said earlier, our, our, our office manages around 70 projects across the Commonwealth and around 80 and exactly 80 localities. Um, we were able to announce a round of awards a couple weeks ago that added $60 million in funding to awarded projects that leveraged around 110 million of private sector and local government dollars 
that picked up and, and included in project areas around 29,000 locations. Um, so we're excited to get rolling on those, but you know, the way we think about this in terms of an office is how many counties are still left out there without a, without a transformational and, and universal broadband project. Uh, we think there's around 10 counties and cities out there left in the Commonwealth that we have yet to get to, but look forward to working with to be able to develop broadband grant applications for the, for the body program, the Virginia Telecommunication Initiative, the vehicle that has the grant investment in Loudoun County, but also to upcoming federal programs that I'll cover here in a minute as well. Uh, what makes what makes us unique as an office, and I think unique as a grant program in the Commonwealth, is the structure of how we manage, award, and, and, and receive applications and also govern broadband grants. The VADI program, back in its inception in 2017, and budget language passed by the General Assembly and adopted by the governor, I think that was Governor McAuliffe at that point, uh, was that applicants to the VADI program had to be a unit of local government in partnership with a broadband provider. Uh, it's set up uh, what's become a very effective public-private partnership model that puts the local government in the driver's seat to say, here's where the unserved locations are in our county, and we want to work with either one broadband provider or two or three broadband providers, however many that needs to get the job done, to be able to bridge that digital divide to those locations that lack a single option for service. Um, obviously, Loudoun County has gone down that road and has a very well-designed project that's getting the job done. Uh, wanted to share that too because it's it's prepared us for what's coming next in federal broadband investments you know, because we have these last five years and now six funding cycles of broadband deployment programs local governments broadband providers are now prepared for the next round of federal investments in this digital divide space called the bead program now that's the broadband equity access and deployment program that was passed under uh, president biden's the official title is the Infrastructure Investments and Jobs Act. Uh, you guys probably have heard it referred to as the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law uh, or IJA for the short acronym based version. Um, but the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act included two specific programs that we're working on now as an office. The, the BEAD program, and I'll say this acronym once out loud and then go back to BEAD for the rest of it, but the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program which is the federal equivalent to what we've been doing in the state through the Virginia Telecommunication Initiative. But it also includes the Digital Equity Act. Uh, I'll start with BEAD first and talk through that opportunity. Nationally, BEAD is $42.5 billion in funding to be able to close the digital divide in terms of locations that lack broadband access. Again, the, like the 8,600 homes that are included in Loudoun County's body project, this program is is that scaled up nationally where states have the discretion to continue to invest in uh, infrastructure projects to get to the unserved locations either with fiber optic infrastructure or another based on the cost of the network build out in virginia we're in a pretty good position in terms of that those funds being available to get to the remaining unserved we think there's around 200,000 homes businesses and community anchor institutions that are still out there that don't have a single option for broadband service and are not in a funded project area to deliver service to their location in the next two or three years. Um, so we want, we're, we're going to take advantage of those bead dollars to be able to bridge that gap. But we think because of investments in broadband expansion across the state, again, that 935 million currently out there in the field being managed by our office, uh, puts us in a good position to also be able to think through the next eligible categories under BEAD, and that's broadband affordability and adoption. Uh, I want to backtrack too for a second and say that Loudoun County and, and the IT office has played a role in helping us make sure that the BEAD allocation for the state is as accurate as possible. Um, the, the folks there, Chris and Dave, were the only county in the state that submitted data to our office to consider and include that uh, in our challenge to the federal broadband maps. The way this connects is that uh, the number of unserved locations in a state determines how much funds the state receives under the BEAD program. So if we have 2% of the locations in the country, then we get 2% of the money under BEAD. Um, so Dave and Chris and the team submitted us information for us, for our office to consider. We included those points ultimately at our discretion in the challenge process to uh, make sure that the data on that national broadband map was as accurate as possible in terms of internet service providers 
uh, service territory as displayed on that map. So um, kudos to y'all, kudos to the leadership of, of, of this group to be able to step up and help us in that effort. Uh, so far, we've been able to prove that around 400,000, just over 400,000 service assertions uh, that are, were previously displayed as served on the map are now unserved. I know it's getting into the details, but it's it's critically important for us to make sure that these maps are as accurate as possible. One, so that in case any locations are left out, we can get to them. Even in counties that have an existing broadband project, and I know the county has those efforts underway now. Um, but two, making sure that we can get those remaining 10 or so counties off the board and with a funded project. And the last thing I'll cover, and this is a segue into kind of what's next on our horizon as a broadband office, uh, but with the opportunity under BEAD, which we think will be, comfortably speaking, hundreds of millions of dollars in funding, um, but also led by the planning processes that are going on now under the Digital Equity Act, uh, we think we're in a good position to start thinking about the other components of the digital divide in terms of broadband affordability and broadband adoption. Uh, the first lens of that broadband affordability is pretty self-explanatory, right? I mean, if, if somebody has access to broadband, one, can they afford it at that point? Uh, it's something that's being tackled now by the federal government under the Affordable Connectivity Program. It's a $30 a month benefit to folks that may qualify for an existing federal assistance program or broadly below 200% of the federal poverty line uh, that helps it goes towards the cost of home broadband service, but it can also be applied to a mobile plan as well. Now, we've seen okay subscription rates to that program across the Commonwealth, but we're working to boost those enrollments efforts too, because you know the, the program is is rapidly depleting of funds at the federal level. We don't know yet if it will be re-upped by Congress, but we're certainly hopeful because this is the this is really the first federal investment we've seen beyond a $10 a month. Uh, package to be able to support home broadband connections and mobile service options as if folks choose. The tougher the tougher nut to crack for us as an office is on the broadband affordability front. And I, I think about this in more of a personal note. Uh, I grew up in Southside, Virginia. My parents are in a federally funded broadband project uh, for the, what's called the CAF2 auction. It wasn't a state-run program. But you know, in the coming years, in the next couple of years, they'll have broadband infrastructure at their location. Uh, assuming they can afford the service that's going to be able to be offered, um, they still may not understand how to fully take advantage of that broadband service once it's available, right? I mean, I grew up in a, in a place where if you need specialized medical care, you either go to Charlottesville, you go to Richmond, or you go to Durham, North Carolina, the Duke University. Well, through broadband adoption we can, programs, we can help folks understand how to, how to uh, fully utilize telehealth service options in-home. So. My parents potentially or our neighbors don't have to drive an hour and a half to access any kind of specialized care where they can talk to a doctor in their own home. Um, so it's things like that, but it's also things like working with local library branches to make sure that they can have digital navigators to help folks do things as simple as setting up a bank account online or understanding how to send and receive emails. Um, so you know, the, the, the challenge of broadband adoption for us is, is difficult because of the scope that that challenge is, right? I mean, it, it's all the way from understanding basic computer liter literacy skills to making sure that farmers understand how to, the benefits and of precision agriculture, uh, both opportunities under the BEAD program. So uh, in closing, just wanted to reiterate too that you know, we, we're, we're laser focused on making sure that we're getting to the unserved locations first. Uh, and then beginning to fold in those challenges of affordability and adoption. And I think you'll see more from our office in terms of that uh, in the coming months as we hone in on what will be called the Virginia Digital Opportunity Plan uh, that will then feed into those programs that will stand up for uh, affordability and adoption. So uh, thanks again for having me. Hope I didn't ramble too, too long there, um, but I'd be glad to answer any questions you all have uh, and, and go from there. Chandler, thank you very much. Any questions? Chandler? I do have uh, a couple of questions. Um, yeah, thank you, Chandler. That was very informative. Um, just curious, what, what is Virginia expecting um, in meat allocations? Have you all kind of back a napkin, you know, gained it yet? That's a question everybody's asking, uh, and it's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, we've had, we've had statewide elected officials quote 800 million. 
Uh, we've also seen estimates from telecom engineering firms, I think it's Cartesian, uh, to say 1.4 billion. Uh, so what that says is nobody really knows. Uh, so that's why we say comfortably hundreds of millions of dollars uh, is is what we're looking at. We'll know officially on June 30th. That's when the, the administrators of BEAD, the National Telecommunications and Information Association, published that dollar amount based on their formula. Can I ask a, a, um, a couple questions about um, uh, the Batty program specific to, to Loudoun County here? Yeah, I'll answer them to the best the best I can. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. So we're eleven months into a, a two year uh, program. I'm curious at what point would um, all points need to request an extension if, if they believe one is going to be necessary. Um, yeah, so we, we handle that on a project basis, and usually it's at the request of the locality, right? I mean, that's that's the structure of the program to put the county in the driver's seat to be able to determine when the right stage is to, to look into the future and request that extension. Usually we see that about six months out from the deadline. Um, but you know, the, the thing with broadband projects we're seeing across the Commonwealth now, and I should, I should say, too, that, you know, we awarded... 278,000 locations in that round where the county received the award. We announced this in, in December of 2021. To date, those awards um, are on track based on the projections we developed. They've connected around 10% of those locations so far across the Commonwealth. It's what we expected. Um, it's what we briefed and prepped the administration on and they took office shortly after we made that award announcement. Um, so we're on track, but what we're seeing too is challenges with permitting, making sure that the make ready process with the incumbent pole, electric pole owners is streamlined as much as possible. We're doing what we can to help out with that effort. Um, but I think that that's just a, a, a quick example of what we're seeing out there in the field, but we remain on track. Um, that doesn't mean that every project is in the same boat of 10% of locations being connected, but across the board, some projects are ahead and some projects are in the final engineering and design phase. I, I appreciate that. One last question, and, and um, I'll, I'll leave the other maybe to an email later. Um, with your experience with other um, jurisdictions, what is like the average or even the maximum number of installs uh, once they get rolling on them um, that you've seen? Yeah, that's a good question. And it, this is something we're proud of too. I mean, we see broadband providers, and tell me if this isn't getting to your question, but we see broadband providers when they're coming into our program project a, a 30 to 40% take rate uh, of folks that actually subscribe to the service once it's made available. Uh, in the body program, we're running around 60%. And I think that's because of the story of, you know, broadband is finally coming to their community and they're taking advantage of that service and seeing what high-speed internet is all about. Um, was, was that your question? Uh, I wanna make sure I got to it. No, we, we were uh, aware of that take rate number and that is awesome. Um, I was just curious about the number of installs. So once like the middle mile, Portions. Once all the make ready is done and installs to homes begins, what would we expect like the average number to be on a given week or month? Uh, you know, fifty oh, in a week installed. I see. Um, I guess the, the the best and most relevant example here is perhaps the Northern Neck project, right? Same last mile service provider on all points broadband. Um, we saw the same scale up in terms of getting the engineering and design right. Dominion had to build out their network. The Northern Neck Electric Cooperative had to build out their network. Um, in the first couple of months, the, there were 30, 40 locations connected per month in that test window. Uh, it's really taken off in the last two or three months. I mean, we're up to, I think, a little over 800 locations now on that project. And it's gone from 30 or 40 to hundreds in the last two or three months. Appreciate that. That answered my question. Thank you. You mentioned um, that uh, Loudoun County, uh, in a positive sense, provided data to help support uh, one of your analysis. Um, are there areas that Loudoun County could be doing better compared to the other counties, other jurisdictions? Sure. Well, I think I, I'm not sure if the if the answer there is doing any better, but you know, there's always there's always the chance to be more prepared for the next thing, right? Uh, I think that studying the broadband data maps as they've been released by the FCC and as they're going to be released by the FCC uh, on June 30th is going to be really important to make sure that there's no more locations out there than what's already known. I, mean, I understand that the county's already gone through an extensive process to make sure that any, any locations are going to be picked up um, in a county-run process. 
but making sure that those locations, even in, in, in looking even too in the most urban areas of the county, right? I mean, we've seen instances where there's one or two locations potentially that don't have broadband access and what you think would have maybe two or three service options. Uh, there, there's that, and there's also the the affordability and adoption components. Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar with your with your library system. I think I'd have a conversation with them about you know, what efforts they have going on out in the community, especially if there's any locations of lower income folks. Uh, so there's there, there's those two things I would advise for. I mean that that's what our office is scaling up to to address. Chandler, one um, so one question I have is um, so it's great that we're you know, with the current VADI project and uh, the, you know going after the 8,620 homes here in Loudoun, uh, which we think will be a you know the vast majority of the gap, the broadband gap. But ironically, we are still forecasting a significant shortage in wireless infrastructure. In fact, the, the commission conducted a study some years back, uh, five, six, seven years back, concluded we needed something in the range of 12 to 14 additional, you know, 180 foot level cell towers, only three of which have been built in that time since then. So we're still left with a significant cellular gap, despite now hopefully being on the horizon of addressing the broadband gap from the standpoint of wired internet. Just, I know this is not necessarily within the charter of your department, but I'm curious what your thoughts would be or what other efforts you might be aware of in other counties to try to address that side of the equation as well, given that um, while it may not be as essential for wired internet, it's still critical for public safety and you know, obviously uh, other factors. No, you're, you're right, it is critical. And we've heard, we've heard from cell companies about this what the opportunity they're seeing is that when we're doing rural fiber deployments, you know, they're also having fire, fiber deployments to where their uh, towers are, right? I mean, previously they were having to wirelessly backhaul uh, service from one tower to another to another, especially in the end where there's no fiber to be able to connect those towers to that, you know, wireline connectivity. So they're, they're seeing this as an opportunity to, to have more robust service that doesn't have to rely on any kind of wireless technology to get the signal back to where there is fiber. Uh, secondly, you're right, it's not the focus of our office. We do keep an eye on it though. And there's there's a 5G spectrum auction conducted by the FCC. I haven't seen a uh, map of the winners of that spectrum auction, uh, but it's something we're keeping a close eye on. There's a lot of emergence of a new, new cellular companies that are now offering home broadband service. Uh, we had a lot of conversations with the na traditionally national cellular companies in this FCC map challenge process to vet their service options, make sure, making sure they were submitting to our state broadband map uh, for their service territory data. So um, we know that's, you know, cellular is one thing, home broadband through cellular is another, and we know that's rapidly evolving at the same time. Thank you. Any other questions? Can I ask a follow-up to your yes. question? Yeah, you brought up the Commonwealth Connect map, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, Virginia asked providers to report um, differently than the FCC um, does, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on, is it um, a more robust data collection? Uh, I know the providers are not happy to have to submit two different, you know, data uh, to, to each of the organizations, but um, yeah, uh, have you got any feedback from them on, on if they like one better than the other? Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's there's the primary difference is in the fabric that we map locations in, right? You know, so the state has their own GIS address database called the VGen uh, address database. Uh, the FCC has their own fabric that was designed through a computer code to pick out a rooftop of what the computer believes to be the primary address within a parcel boundary. Sometimes it landed on a, a barn out west. Sometimes it landed on a rock. Uh, so there's some rocks out there listed as serviceable units, uh, especially in our western states, uh, that will be getting broadband access to the deed program, thankfully. Um, so I'm being facetious. I mean, of course, we have confidence in our own map. Um, you know, but but there's there's discrepancies in each mapping database, right? And there's the VGen program 
uh, we're finding over states where serviceable units are like the like the FCC map process. One thing we're honed in on a bit though is where the VGen address layer database has one point per apartment in a multi dwelling unit. The FCC fabric only lists a multi dwelling unit as one point. Uh, so that, that's a key distinction there because you know, if we're able to see how many locations are at one multi-dwelling unit or apartment, then we can go back and verify if they have broadband connections available to each one of those units. Uh, so again, that's that's a in the weeds answer, but I appreciate the question because it is there, there are differences, but we've, we're, we've worked with a lot of folks to translate over from one point to another and seeing if that's representative of their service territory. All right, any other questions, discussion? While well, we have Chandler. Chandler, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I very much appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, good to be with y'all. And uh, if there's, I'll hang around for a little while if there's any follow-up questions, but I uh, appreciate the opportunity to present and looking forward to keeping on working with you guys over the next months. Thank you very much. Okay, with that, we'll move on to the franchisee updates. Um, we'll start with uh, Mr. Mohal. Are you with us? I am. Thank you guys for the invite to attend tonight. I don't really have anything much to announce today. I do apologize. I did not get the uh, our pedestal life cycle policy and everything. Um, I was out for the last two weeks. So my schedule was just a little, little busy. I'm still working on that, but our 10G expansion plan is going through nicely and everything else. And we're working through the list and I'm looking forward to having our meeting uh, tomorrow with Chris and Dave. Excellent. Any questions for Comcast? All right. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate it. Ms. Louise, how are you? Super. Um, I just had a couple of things. Uh, the extension went, did go before the board on May 16th. So we've been extended through October 31st of this year to continue negotiating renewal agreement, which is good. Um, I went back to engineering to see if there was more information about the network transformation projects that are building out in the Leesburg and Purcellville wire centers. And basically, engineering basically said, um, because these are not obligated bills, they generally are on a two to three year, I mean, to completely finish the projects. But the he said definitely that uh, your citizens are definitely going to see broadband expansion um, significantly before the end of the year. Project will be com completed uh, perhaps till into 2025, uh, 2024. But I I've been saying this for the last several meetings. I know that people are seeing our trucks out there because it's they're deep into it. Um, and the third thing was the uh, ACP program. I didn't really have anything to report because, as I understand it, uh, the data that we actually file with the FCC is actually not reported back out. It's reported back out in aggregate. So I, I, I think it's proprietary. I was going to say, if you all do want more information about the ACP program, I'll be happy to find somebody, uh, the sub subject matter expert who can come and, and speak to it generally for you. Uh, I'm not that person, um, but um, that's what I had. All right, thank you very much. Any questions for Verizon? Can I ask a question, uh, Chair Foster? I'm sorry. If no one in the room has a question, I'll wait. If any of the commissioners had anything, Actually, first. go ahead. Yeah. I, um, just because we still have Chandler on, on the call, uh, and Louise, thank you for bringing up the ACP program. Yeah, sure. Chandler spoke to if if you can hear me. Uh, I'd be curious. Um, you you mentioned that the uptake wasn't um, as high as you would like to see it. Um, do you know how close we are um, to that? And just for everyone's benefit. Um, if Congress doesn't act, it's um, uh, estimated to run out of funds by Q1 next year, is my understanding. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious what you know what the difference is to Delta. Yeah, I appreciate even the opportunity to hop back on here. Uh, we, we actually had a we had a report document about this last year called the Commonwealth Digital Affordability and Cost Effectiveness Plan. I've got that pulled up. 
these are numbers and enrollment numbers based on September 2022. So it's pretty dated and are almost a year old. But in September of 2022, Loudoun County had a estimated enrollment rate of 13% of those that would be eligible to participate in ACP in the Affordable Activity Program. Um, statewide, we see that the number is 27%. This is based on September 2022 data still. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull a national average. From what I recall, the national average was around 30%. So Virginia was a little bit behind in the national average uh, in September of 2022. That's eligibility. Right. That's that's percent of the eligible population that has enrolled in the program. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. And this is a program that's that's you know has the opportunity to be promoted by local organizations, but somebody has to sign up directly through their internet service provider or cellular provider. Verizon and Comcast both essentially have free offerings for any of those eligible um, homes. We do. Uh, would there be interest in having Verizon provide additional insight on what they can discuss regarding ACP numbers? I'd appreciate that. Yeah, Louise, if that's possible, that would be appreciated. Yeah, it, it, it may be Jessica Chait, who is, as you all know, handles government affairs uh, for Loudon and um, is, you know, happy to discuss broadband policy. But I'll see if Jessica also can talk about ACP, or if not, who who, who can? Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Not a problem. Uh, Dave, you had a question. Yeah, Louise, just because every one of these meetings is recorded and somebody may not have watched previous versions of, mm -hmm. of our meeting, when you discuss franchise or the, the expansion that mm -hmm. Verizon is undergoing, mm -hmm. um, just as a sort of re-education for everybody, this is part of the copper replacement program that's, that's, that Verizon is undergoing mm -hmm. and homes that would potentially be served that may not be served today would be within the um, scope of what where the um, the copper replacements going on. Yes, in two, in two Verizon wire centers, one being the Leesburg Wire Center and the other being Percival. So okay, when people hear expansion, I think they immediately go to oh, Verizon will now be going down these off roads that uh, you hadn't in the past, and maybe expanding your footprint in that respect. But it's more about taking an existing wire center um, and expanding to homes that may have been in the vicinity before, um, and that will be within the, the the expansion construction that you have going on. Yeah, we're getting rid of the old copper. Right, okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, any other questions for Verizon? All right, Ms. Anderson, thank you very much. You're most welcome. All right, with that, we will move on to committees and projects. I don't believe we've had any committees meet in the last month. Yes, so I don't think there's any updates to discuss, which takes us to the staff report. Chris, would you like to take it away? Thank you, sir. Start with the Lex ticket summary. So we're at a total of 67 customer requests, resident requests for a service. These are all repair tickets, repair requests. So we've uh, had quite this surge as far as spring is concerned. We had a couple of new HOA managers that are going out and uh, taking all the, all the pictures of some of the pedestals. So that's what's um, led to this big surge. And that as uh, Mr. Mulhall was uh, referencing, we're meeting tomorrow morning to go ahead and segment this and um, go forward Look if we can have uh, bi-monthly sessions with the case managers. Comcast and Verizon do a great job as far as resolving these issues as they're reported. It's just with this uh, large influx and also an issue associated with getting materials, specifically pedestals, we get them resolved. A little bit of a timing issue. So the most important thing we can do uh, as the county is keep all these residents uh, apprised of the status. So with having these meetings every two weeks, we'll be able to go through all of the open tickets. I'll be able to capture those comments and in turn update 
the uh, comments and Lex to go ahead and let the residents know this is where we are. This is what we're doing. We haven't forgotten about your request. What percentage are pedestals? Um, out of 67, I'd say all but two. And that those two would be actually getting a cable barrier. Uh, any other questions on the tickets? And that's mostly a seasonal thing, right? Since yeah, in the spring, the HOAs do their walkabouts and they well, yeah, typically it would be generate the, lots of tickets as the result, uh, spring, yeah. and then we'd have issues in late fall. Uh, the spring would be the result of snow removal. We didn't have that much this year. And then I say late fall because we've got to go back and revisit all the sites from uh, where the uh, lawn organizations, companies come through and uh, clip and knock into everything and uh, beat up some of the pedestals as well, the lawn services. So we'll uh, we'll get this tightened up through the summer months and then uh, see what they run into as we go into uh, October, November. Any other questions on the uh, tickets? Thank you. Uh, moving on to the request for proposal where we're expanding the coverage in the Western uh, Mountain. Again, this is uh, American Rescue Plan dollars that been set aside a million dollars. Um, as previously reported, continue to work through the uh, various departments. Finished a great session with uh, procurement. So the uh, verbiage content format uh, looks solid. That's uh, going into the county attorney's office for approval. And then we, a DIT staff, would take a final run at that, not changing any words. Just going back through as far as the numbers and uh, casting the net, so to speak, to make sure that we've got all the addresses that we possibly can to make sure that we have them included in the, uh, in the RFP. And I believe we had spoken the last go around too, that these funds are gonna be good uh, through December uh, 2016. So there is an urgency, but we would uh, have the uh, contract in place and hopefully the work completed before then. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Okay. Uh, yeah, 2026. Um, okay. I'm, we're working so fast, we're going backwards in time. Let's say that uh, thanks yeah. for keeping it straight, Christy. Uh, any other questions on the um, RFP? Uh, so, remind me of the schedule. So, when do you hope to issue it? We would hope to uh, issue it within uh, next month. Next month. Thirty. Connection with the comprehensive plan to look at the properties that aren't developed but are zoned to be developed as potentials so that you kind of anticipate not creating another gap in two years. Uh, no, we'd be going with uh, the existing structures, trying to go ahead and get service to the homes. What we would hope is, is those parcels get developed that they would be developed within the framework of either batty or this extension of uh, services to really be able to accommodate those people. We'd um, also, um, not being the attorney, looking at some phrasing associated with this RFP. So should something like that take place prior to completion of the project, we could try to go ahead and have those additional addresses go ahead and include it too. So trying to get everybody we possibly can. So, Ron, the only thing I would add to that is, is part of APV's um, promotion, so to speak, right? An awareness campaign is not just only for the residents, but for the builders as well. And so, um, given that, whether it's the Segra dark fiber or um, that the extra capacity that the county's put in or uh, the work that they're doing out in the, the farther reaches of the county is that they're aware that broadband opportunities exist, right? So prior to them building homes, that they're able to um, make agreements with some of the providers and be able to provide the residents the service prior to construction and, and move-in, right? So, but we're always gonna keep an eye out for new, and and, and uh, Chair Foster, we've discussed this many times, um, you know, that line in the sand, whether it VADI or ARPA has to be in place, anything, that sort of misses the time frame um, is something that we can always go back to Vaddy with. Um, 
and and create more opportunities that way as well. But obviously, we'd love to see it solved before the house is built, um, and that's part of the promotion that all points you know will continue as they move forward with their project. Do you have any way to know at the time a project construction is approved if it will fall outside the current plan, the current batty plan? We can look at the street names and the addresses so we can see if they fall within the framework. I guess my question is, does that happen? Well, that, I don't have a, a running schedule of new construction or the uh, ongoing development. Yeah, I'm going to try to point fingers at somebody. No, no, that actually to me seems like a breakdown in process. Like, well, we've been regularly planning commission or something. Yeah, I would, I would think that the planning committee, I would think somebody should. Be aware of that. Not, not saying that it has to be connected, but there's no reason that that knowledge point doesn't exist at the time decisions are made. Your, your point's great. What I would add is that uh, we meet regularly with the uh, Dallas Association Realtors Group, and that um, probably on a six month basis gave them uh, an update in January as well. So they certainly know. What's uh, coming in and what's available where, but I, I don't have a listing as far as uh, developmental plans. Now, you would think that these uh, developments would also be in tune with our franchisees as far as uh, trying to make sure that service would be available. Yeah, again, I'm not pointing at you. I keep no, 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 planning no, planning no, no, I mean, maybe it's the planning commission somehow having the information available that it, it just, when the decision is made, that shouldn't be lost. So I see that as something that because there's both administrative applications and then um, legislative applications. Legislative goes through public hearing, planning commissions, and sometimes the board of supervisors. There's always a referral process. It's just a matter of what groups are brought into that referral process to say either applicant when it's administrative or legislative. Here's what's needed with this property. You need to check natural resources. You need to check with health department. Make sure that the land is compatible with a residential development. That's from our building and development department. Usually they're the ones that sort of kick that off or planning and zoning contribute to that. So maybe there's a way that DIT is brought into that fold from a referral standpoint of the developer or the property owner, whoever, as you are looking to build a residence, residential place, maybe you need to consider, is there access? So that's something that from the board supervisor standpoint, we can have conversations with staff and see what's possible. So I made a, I made a little note, and I think that's an it, interesting conversation. Like it's a utility. Yeah. So essentially you mentioned it because there was a request several years ago to do just this, to add broadband to the building and you know, building and uh, and uh, development checklist. Yeah. Um, see, what's ironic is that uh, you know, with any new development or construction, there's tight coordination between, in this county, Verizon as the landline provider, and Dominion or Novec as the electric provider, and they always bury these the two cables in the same trench. There's that level of planning. There isn't, and it stops there. So you think, well, why not when you're going to trench, you know, obviously you put the electrical line much deeper than the phone, why not run a conduit so you can pull whatever broadband to the same residence? So, so there, we, the responses I recall back then was, well, it's not officially considered utility. So, yeah, that's, so that's, that's why so that, so that the county couldn't treat it with that sort of largesse, but we still, whether, whether so I don't know. I don't remember frankly where it ended up, but we were trying to do exactly that at yeah. the time. I, I don't think I agree. It's not a utility, so you can't acquire it. Right. But that doesn't. So I think it ought to be on a checklist. It just doesn't have to be checked. Yes, and you can still check no, but at least that puts it out there that right. everybody's aware. There's five houses being built, and they're not going to have broadband. That's a great point. The, the other thing is over the past several months, staff has seen an uptick as far as the educated consumer resident that uh, we've been getting phone calls from out of state. People that are considering moving to uh, Western Loudoun 
and we want to screen various addresses as far as where are they in the process? Are they embedding? Would they be covered in different means? What's what's the plans for service there? So I consider my statement a action to be added to it that we get feedback on how the process can be adjusted in the future. Yeah, thank you. Makes sense to me. I think I just heard the uh, chief of staff going in that direction. I can have a conversation with Chris Pollock. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. I think it's less. Certainly, Commissioner Thank you for that. Um, any other broadband expansion questions? So, can you give us a status report on all points? Um, yes, sir. That, uh, that by Paul Harvey, impersonation, <laughs> page two, that uh, they continue to make progress as far as doing the fielding we're talking about, that what we're seeing now is they're focusing their attention on um, low-level design, completing the design for the network that's being reported to be uh, completed at the uh, end of July. That would also be... Uh, a big deal for us because that would be the end of a milestone, which would then trigger the eligibility for remittance. So we would actually start to go ahead and get paperwork and filing as far as uh, an invoice request where the county would go through that um, myself, but also the ARPA coordinator, uh, the ARPA, ARPA financial analyst associated with it, in addition to DHPG as we go through the progress. Uh, additionally, that is one of the uh, key determinants that's on the DHCD dashboard. So we'd actually see that being populated as far as uh, uh, number of miles fiber designed. And of course, that then sets us up for what we have been, um, we've been shared with us as well as far as the first of the year, that they would be going great guns as far as streaming fiber, actually doing fiber deployment with the crews. Any questions on any of that? I've got a question for staff, but not about projects. Yes, sir. Um, I, I heard Chandler um, mention that um, the county participated in the challenge process, and, and yes, I, I, I'd be curious to learn more about that. I, I wasn't aware that um, was it location challenges, was it um, availability challenges, or was it both? We were we were challenging uh, sites that they said were served, and we were saying they were unserved. How many can you provide details of oh, sure. submission? Happy, happy to go ahead and uh, give you uh, any information to request that this was what we were doing as well. And, and it was great as far as the timing, because it allowed us to use the state of Virginia to test our database on what we we're using for the RFP. So it would come back through. We had a we had um, out of all our submissions, we had uh, three fallout that were actually being served by a provider that uh, we, we weren't able to validate that. And then, of course, as uh, some of you all are aware, I must have uh, gestured and moved my uh, mouse there, that the actual information as far as addresses by the ISPs is considered proprietary information that they don't share. So it makes it very difficult as far as establishing a database, running it up another and seeing you know, well, what, what is it there where the hole is? And it's the same scenario associated with the infrastructure as far as their outside plant fiber runs and designs. And the, that makes it uh, difficult for us, but we're very fortunate to have uh, representatives like uh, Louise and Chris that we can interface and go through you know, to come up with a location. Okay, you're a thousand feet away from this piece as far as uh, being able to provide uh, service to another home. But uh, happy to talk through this stuff with you after the uh, the meeting. I, I think you answered my question. So this was in conjunction with the VATI application. It was in conjunction. It, it was a learning curve from VATI as far as what was kicked out by the FCC. And we were saying, that's not right. We know these people aren't served. So then we went ahead and gathered those, got additional information 
and uh, put that in through the uh, challenge process. And when was that the challenge was, submitted, I guess? It was uh, submitted January 13th this year. This year. I'd yes. love to learn more about it. So, sure. Um, whatever. Thank you. And that what's, uh, what's great is this is part of the, the work that uh, Chandler and the uh, team at Virginia Tech were uh, working on. And that's what's setting us up for such a big opportunity with B as well, as far as the money. So they've done a phenomenal job, much better than uh, the other states. So gives me a chance to uh, say thanks to uh, Chandler for all his efforts on what he's doing as well. That's great. Is, uh, can you update us on the status of the Comcast right, uh, franchise track? I'll go back to page one. <laughs> Yes, sir. That uh, as Louise shared earlier, that uh, at the board meeting that we just had, uh, the uh, on the 16th, a letter of extension was uh, approved. So we're good through Halloween for the uh, renewal agreements. During the same meeting, the uh, board approved a public hearing for the Comcast Cable Franchise Renewal Agreement. That uh, public hearing will take place probably. Uh, in June, and uh, in advance of that meeting, there'll be an ad that will be listed so people would have an opportunity, should they choose, to be able to go to the um, government county center here, where they would uh, have an availability to the available to actually uh, view the document, look through it, see if they had any questions in preparation for the public hearing. So it's something um, along uh, well, sir. Uh, will that, when you expect that document to be available for review. So the meeting is actually July 12th is the public hearing. Um, the ad is due to uh, county administration in early June. Uh, once the advertisement goes out, um, it's something that we can make available to the commissioners uh, ahead of the public hearing. I think that's your question, right, Jason? Uh, yes. Is there a reason why that isn't available now? If it is complete and Comcast has consented to it and we're going to have a hearing about it and we have that document, is there another change being done to it? What is the control gate for releasing it publicly? Or do we need to make a FOIA request to get it out there? The FOIA request would be necessary by members of the public in order to see it, yes. We were tying it to when it becomes, when, when the advertisement is made available, the, um, the process, the expectation of the process to obtain a copy of the document is included in that, in that um, advertisement. So what we're doing is tying that, that timing that will be available and it's uh, it's probably three or four weeks ahead of the public hearing that then you would be available to see it as well okay and right there you're saying that it is a process to obtain a copy you're not going to make that readily available the advertisement of the hearing won't include a link for everybody to go and see and read what we're discussing that is correct they would Why so members that? of the public members of the public would need to either come to the government center to obtain a copy. There's a couple of different ways that they can do so. Is there a reason why that document cannot be publicly posted? So this is my first public hearing. Um, and so this is the process as it's been laid out to me. So I would need to better understand exactly how and when that document if it becomes public. So like when we have a business meeting, the documents are made public three or four days ahead of the business meeting. Public hearing is handled a little bit differently. So I would need to go back and, and validate what the process is for those becoming available. But I know in the advertisement, because the county attorney's office has already provided us a an example of what it would look like. Um, and I'm just trying to pull it up here as we're talking. But the opportunities um, for folks. Um, 
Monday through Friday, documents can be viewed and downloaded electronically 72 hours in advance of the public hearing. So that is when it would be made available online and folks could download it via that method. But from a commissioner perspective, obviously we wanna give you an opportunity to provide input back to your, uh, your supervisors. And so I think when the advertisement goes out that we would try to make that available to you as well. Can you repeat that hearing date for us? July 12th. So Dave, if I heard you correctly, I think you said, so the advertisement would go out three weeks before that. Is that correct? Um, just bear with me for one second. It's quite a, quite a process for uh, public hearing as I'm learning. So <laughs> I appreciate your patience. Um, I put all those headers in my calendar, um, Dave. Yeah, yeah, there's a few of them. Yes. Okay, so the, the draft legal aid, which is the document I sort of read to you just now, is due to county administration on June 6th. Our draft item is not due till due till 620 um, and gets finalized on 629. Um, so I expect the advertisement since it's due ahead of that to be made public somewhere during between 66 and 629, but I don't have a date on when that will be. But as I said, as soon as it becomes available, we will make it available to you. We did see a number of highlights of that agreement that seems to be finalized uh, mentioned uh, in the uh, staff uh, recommendation on that Board of Supervisors business meeting uh, agenda item. Uh, included in that was that there were not uh, particularly substantial changes to the Old from the old agreement, uh, in particular, that the, the uh, homes per mile standard requiring service was unchanged. Uh, not only was that disappointing to see, but um, failed to meet the suggestions of uh, the cable TV franchise performance renewal uh, committee of this commission. Um, I don't expect you to have an answer, but can anything be said as to why that is the case? I mean, I can't get into the negotiations and conversations. Uh, we hope to, at a future meeting, be able to bring in uh, Matt Ames and council to be able to maybe discuss some of that with you after the fact. Um, but I mean, at the uh, what I can say is that certainly the VADI project plays a part in, you know, negotiation discussions and conversations, right? Um, when, when in essence, we're, we've done everything we can to solve the, the broadband divide um, to then request Verizon, or in this case, Comcast to be more aggressive um, was, was probably not, you know, from a timing perspective, the Vatty project being in place already and having the funds already distributed, you know, or at least uh, awarded to us, it was, it did not help our negotiating position. Understood. Thank you. We will continue to wait and look forward to that. Okay. Thank you. All right, Chris, any other items from staff? No, sir. Thank you for asking. Any, any other questions for staff? Okay, thank you very much. I think that takes us on to review of outstanding action items. Aaron? Uh, we got an update from Comcast for action item 234 that they have not had a chance to review the pedestal life payments. Um, I added action 245, which was the ACP take rate for Verizon question that was posed. And then I added action 246 in a jumbled manner. But, um, Mr. Harlan's, uh, Mr. Harlan's request. So, if you could give me a title of how you would how we would talk about that as an action item for the request for staff for the process review for building and development and the broadband integration, I will just a title for it. So yes, since I created the confusion in your part, I'm actually going to let staff. If, if you would like to choose a title, 
that might be more clear, it's fine, or else generate one. Uh, would it be something uh, along the lines of uh, in development, uh, broadband deployment or broadband access? Yeah, I'm talking about the development of new home. Right? Broadband referral for new for applications for new development. That's even better. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. Awareness of broadband access to new development. <laughs> Now you have four answers and you're just as confused. Well, that at least helps with all the chicken scraps that I was trying to take down as the competition was going on. Okay, so those that is all of the open items and the new items that I have. Okay, and presumably we've not closed any correct open ones. All right. Terrific. Uh, so well, that takes us to um, individual commissioner comments or new business. Aaron, would you like to kick us off? Uh, I just appreciate the informative. Session we had earlier, so that's good. Um, nothing new. Okay. Nothing new. Uh, no additional problem. Nothing new. Uh, and on behalf of the group, again, I'd like if Chandler's still with us. I'd like to, I don't think he is, uh, but I very much appreciate him coming and joining us this evening. Christy, glad you could join us as well. Hope it was worth your time. Um, our next meeting is on June 26th. Um, Chris, we had a conversation about maybe and trying to invite all points to an upcoming commission meeting. Were we shooting for June for the June meeting to do that? I was thinking along uh, July. I can uh, go ahead and certainly make a request. I, I know when checking uh, schedules, I don't think um, all points, Mr. Ennis, would be available in July. But I'm, I'm happy to follow that up. Um, this okay, June or, June or July, I think would be. Yeah, possible. so it would have to be June or September. Okay. Okay. And with that, Chair seeks a motion with regard to adjournment. So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Thank you very much. We're adjourned. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, everybody online. Thank you. Thank you. Sir.